And here they come. Louth, O'Brien, O'Neill, Conlon, White, Coleman, Bean, Riley, Cunningham, O'Donnell, Lynch, McDonnell, Rose, Smith, Blood, and me and... Breaks inside to Stephen White. The one man that can do it, and he's done it! A goal for Louth. Paulo Hanlon, a vital touch. Now he's Stephen White to his right. This must be it! It is! I don't believe it! Kildare must be out of the Leicester at midfield, wearing number eight, the first all-star ever from Louth, would you welcome Paddy Keenan. Arguably the most popular of tonight's winners, Paddy has led from the front for Louth since his championship introduction in 2003. Here's a chance for Rooney! What a goal by J.P. Rooney! And then it happened. Bean sends in from the sideline and Sean Cunningham finishes it at the net. Louth are in front. And here it is. Now the All-Ireland champions for the third time. Hello and welcome to the We Are Loud podcast. Thanks for tuning in and download. Today is going to be a big one. We've the loud senior football manager, Pete McGrath. We have a nice chat with him. It's also an update on the managerial merry-go-round. So sit back, relax. You might have time over the Christmas to, to relax for, and listen for the next 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes uninterrupted. Of basically, be, where you're going to be taking behind the scenes of the loud senior football panel and what's going on and the walkings around it. It's, uh, it's quite an exciting place to be at the moment. And then on top of that, you're basically getting tin opener and you're cracking open the mind of a two-time All-Ireland winning manager. We go deep, we, uh, we, we range from talking about grannies to 91 to um, modern-day learning and unlearning of the, of the inter-county footballer, what it takes being inter-county footballer. And even Rob Kearney gets a mention. So thanks very much for listening and enjoy. Pete McGrath, Loud Manager, thanks very much for meeting with uh, We Are Loud podcast. Um, busy time of year for you, so I really appreciate it. Um, I suppose the first question, uh, how are you settling in? Very well, um, enjoying it. The players to date have been committing very energetically, very positively, uh, buying into what we're trying to, to put before them. And um, they are a group of players who are very keen to learn. They're listening. Um, they want to improve. And so far, they've done everything we've asked of them with a heart and a half. And they seem to be enjoying it. I'm personally enjoying it. And I think we're moving forward, you know, in the, in the right direction. Good, good. Speaking of direction, um, I heard you when you first got the job, you said that logistics came down to choosing loud because they're not a lot of counties are after you and rightly so but um the drive from Rostrever to Darver it's one of the nicer drives well it's a lot closer than going to Enniskillen oh yes, four nights yeah. a week um but I mean Darver is uh, just under 30 miles from where I live mm. on good road so yeah it's uh, very convenient and that has to be a factor because I mean there were a number of, of counties um, during the summer, you know, Westmeath, uh, Wicklow, um, 
were, were very keen to talk, and particularly Wes Mead. And I mean, the distance was simply too prohibitive. So when the the Louth approach came, I thought a lot about it. Um, and I mean, any manager will, will always factor in well. How is this going to impact on my life in terms yeah. of what chunk of time is it going to take out? And uh, if you're spending maybe four hours traveling to training, two hours there and two hours back alone, I have to say that the, the journey to Fermanagh never bothered me. Yeah, um, yeah. Never bothered me at all. Um, but certainly Darver is a lot more uh, friendly in terms of distance. Yeah, like you, you have time, you, like legit, like time in the car, you, it's not that long where you're tired from driving and you have plenty of time to mull over things. And then scenically then you have Carlingford Lock and you have the waterfront there and well, not at this time flying. of the year. Not yeah, at this time of the year. <laughs> when the better weather comes in, yeah. So, so they're not even very familiar with anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I suppose it wouldn't be your first impressions of loud football. You had, some of your, you had experience with your second impression. You had experience with Cooley mm-hmm, back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Have you used that as like a resource to tap into to get into the mindset of the county? or? Well, to an extent, yes. Uh, it is it's 10 or 11 years ago now and, and things change. Um, the whole dynamic of football changes. Um, and even when I managed down, we played live maybe twice a year. on our, you know, Charlie Practically Jackson's every year. Yeah. I was very friendly with Charlie McAllister, God rest him, mm-hmm. and we always arranged matches. Uh, but yes, the, the Cooley, a couple of years I was with Cooley, did give me an insight into, let's say, the live mindset in regard to Gaelic football and the passion that's there and the love of it and the the kind of affinity that's there between let's say Louth people and their club teams and their county team. They're always I always felt that Louth people had a had a pride in their county and had an enthusiasm for the county team and if that was an accurate impression then I think that can only be very, very positive. Yeah, I suppose um way back then as well, um you work with a world class athlete in Rob Kearney. He was there thereabouts. What was your um Memories of him, even that young. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I remember the first time I saw Rob Kearney. We the seniors were training, and there was, there was a minor training session that had been earlier, or, or going on on the back pitch or whatever. And I saw this young lad sitting by the side of the pitch, taking off his boots and, and cleaning them. And I remember saying to one of the players, "Who's that young fellow there?" He said, "That's Rob Kearney. He's a, he's a minor, but he's a rugby lad." Um, and before the year was out, Rob was in our senior team. Last year we got to the final, yeah. played the Pats, and unfortunately uh, I allowed Rob to play for the minor team of a ten days before the county senior final, and he picked up an injury, and he was only at half throttle that day uh, against the Pats. He was in full forward, and I'm convinced that a fully fit Rob Kearney, uh, certainly the contribution that that he would have been able to make would have been a lot better than the one he was. That he made on the day, given the injury, but yeah, I found him very affable, and I've met him a few times since then. Um, through through working with him with Sport Tracker and that type of thing, and uh, yeah, a great, great young man and very very modest and very down to earth, and you know, someone who I think uh, epitomizes what uh, a sports person should be in terms of the humility, but willing to learn, wanting to learn. Um, I think he's been been a role model for young people in in the country generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that still great into that loss that's in the final loss? Yeah, it, it does. Um because I know on that day the team underperformed. It was a poor game, it was very seven six, I think was yeah, the yeah, score. Yeah, it was a very yeah. I, I was a miserable day weather wise. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that, you know, if Cooley had played oh, even 
another 10% closer to their real potential, we, we, we certainly would have won the match. But the Pats were a good team then, obviously, a very good team. Um, and a couple of years later, then I managed Bransford and we got to a county final and down and lost that by a point as well. So, yeah, those one point defeats Sting. do tend to stay with you. Yeah. Like, you're. Um you're coming into this county now and you're after working in similar type size county in Fermanagh. Do you find, like you probably take an awful lot from that learning to work with a different county, but do you find you have to immerse yourself into the county or do you prefer to cocoon yourself in a bubble away from the... Or? Well, I've no sort of set policy on that. I mean, uh, with Fermanagh, I was up and down the road three or four times a week. Uh, I certainly immersed myself in Fermanagh because um, during my time there, I was asked to a lot of functions, dinner dances, presentations, all that type of thing, and I always did them. And even when we were maybe staying overnight in Fermanagh, myself and, and, and my nephew, for an overnight, maybe sitting on the Friday, maybe a match on the Saturday, um, go out in the skill on the Saturday morning, meet people. So I, I did feel that I was certainly a part of Fermanagh. Um, and the Fermanagh people were absolutely brilliant um, and you know if that's the way it works out in Louth I will always try and accommodate uh, clubs or groups who, who maybe feel that they want me to be at a presentation or want me to speak I, I certainly will accommodate them as far as I possibly can because I think when you're a county team manager uh, it goes beyond just managing the team I think you have to be yeah. a kind of a, a a representative of the county or Massive, an ambassador for the yeah. county and if clubs think that you can maybe contribute something by maybe going to an underage presentation or speaking to young people I, I always do that if it is at all possible so if that means immersing myself in the county then I have no issue with that at all yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fairly open-minded way of thinking I suppose have you learned anything from Fermanagh in terms of like the, the, the exit the players didn't were happy sitting, sitting happy with having you again for another year. Have you have you taken that, or are you going to consciously adapt now moving into Loud? Or um, well, no. I mean, <laughs> the Fermanagh thing is is well and truly behind me. Uh, I don't. I don't even mean to be bringing. No, it up. I know you're not. I know you're not. And I mean, I've gone on record saying it for four years that the, the players in Fermanagh were, were excellent, were brilliant, and then uh, events took a certain turn. And, and and all I can say is the players, the players. Wrong, you're wrong, but I wasn't going to fight it at any rate. Uh, Fermanagh is like loud in certain respects, and that it will be regarded as a, as a, one of the lesser counties, yeah. a smaller county. Um, there is a difference in that in Fermanagh, there are 20 clubs, in Louth, there's something like 38. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even though geographically Louth is, is smaller than Fermanagh, you've got to remember that well, at least half of the Fermanagh population aren't interested in Gaelic games, yeah. Um, there's a different dynamic, a different demographic in, in, in Louth, obviously. Um, so, and I always would have been convinced that any time I saw Louth playing or played against Louth, that on many, many occasions, Louth always were able to, to put it up the so-called bigger counties. And I always felt that there were good footballers in Louth. And anyone that I've spoken to has said, yeah, there are good footballers in Louth, and quite a lot of them. Uh, I'm now discovering that for myself, because mm. of this current squad, I can see they are young, um, some of them maybe aren't terribly experienced just yet but I can see a lot of potential I can see an awful lot of, of, of good things and uh, I can see the possibility of players really you know, achieving a certain level of performance which I think will be 
very effective, mm. particularly when we come to the, the hard-nosed business of Division Two football, which is mm. going to be very, how, very how did How did the trials go? The trials, we had two trials, and uh, they were well attended. And, I mean, I was able to run my sort of objective eye over players. Obviously, I'm very fortunate, and I've got, I've got two live men with yeah, me, yeah. Uh, Wayne and, uh, and Aaron, and... I mean, there, and as well as that, I spoke at length to to Colin Nelly, who was a selector last year, and he took me through the the, the panel as it was last yeah. year, and the people who he who he felt were potentially ready to come into the panel, younger yeah. players. So that was very very informative. Uh, so all those things combined, and then I did see uh, a number of the semi finals and and finals in in the different championships. Yeah, and so well. and Leinster, so it did give me uh, a handle on it. Now it's not. The first couple of months are still going to be a yeah. learning process for me, um, and that's why the the Auburn Cup particularly is going to be important. Those couple of matches in it, uh, and due to play a match on Monday night against DKIT as well. So, just what what, what are you looking for? With, like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for like a skillful player? Or are you looking for like youth or strength when you're mm. looking at trial games? Like, well, you're you're looking uh, at players and physically. They have to have certain attributes. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and if a player, let's say, is a smaller player, then he's going to need to be a special kind of a player to be maybe five foot seven, five foot eight to survive at this level. Um, physical power and strength and, and athleticism are important. And you can see a player for the first time, and he might be terribly fit, but you look at him and you would say, well, yeah. His build and the way he moves, and, yeah. If that guy is fit, you just know that he would have the the, the physical attributes and all the rest of it to, to, to get the job done. So you're looking for a a variety of things. There's a whole cross section of things there that you're looking for in players. I mean, physicality, athleticism, intelligence, um, a skill set, um, and you know, you when, when you see enough players, and I've been looking at players now for a long, long time. You yeah, do, you yeah. do. You're able to appraise. Now, I'm not saying that every decision I make is bulletproof and it's 100% right, but you do, you're able to appraise and make judgments about players pretty quickly yeah, in like terms that. of their capability. What their best position might be, uh, that's another issue. A yeah. player might look like, a, yeah, he looks he could be a halfback, he could be a cornerback, he could be a midfielder. That might take more time to come to terms with. And as well, the talent identification is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as well as that, you got to integrate where his position might be into the the bigger picture of well, what kind of a squad have you got here? I mean, have you got a, a surfeit of, of a surplus of, of defenders or surplus of forwards or whatever? And if that's the case, either way, then you got to start manipulating and manufacturing and putting molding the molding. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and like I suppose, if if they don't, if there's not there, you can't mold. So anyone you've asked has come along. Mhm, mhm. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't, uh, you haven't been refused or. No, not oh, maybe one or two fellas, and I didn't even know them. There were names, uh, and um, they were maybe traveling or, or they're about to travel or whatever or work. Yeah. But, but I would say at this stage that, that 95 plus percent of the players who were asked or who came to trials and we wanted to come in have all come in. That's really strong, that's yeah. really high. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have felt tempted to, um, Asked the likes of Paddy Keenan or Shane Lennon or your old Cooley colleague um, Brian White back on. I think Brian White's actually in England. I don't think he's at home. I just heard that the other day. We we're just talking about Brian. 
Um, talking about Zamora, two thousand four, he was top scorer, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was he was a, a marvelous player for, for for Cooley when I was there, and they're very skillful and everything else. But you know what? At, at the end of the day, you got to you got to respect that if people step away from county football and have been out of it for a year or two. It's a hard it's a hard environment to come back into, um, even if you're still playing club football. Yeah. And generally, the people who step away have stepped away for reasons, be it work or family, or loss of appetite, and two or three years later to actually then find that energy again, find that desire again, I think is, particularly in the modern game, it's very, very difficult yeah. because the, the demands on county players are so high and the, the all the boxes you have to tick nowadays to be a genuine county player, um, there are a lot more boxes to tick than there were 20 years ago. Yeah, and that's the, that's what, that's the question I was going to ask you. You've seen us, you've been there, mm-hmm. but you, yet you still remain. Mm-hmm. So what? What's your secret? Well, it's, it's not. It's no secret. I think uh, if you've got a love of the game and enthusiasm for it, if you want to do it, uh, if that dynamic that is there in a dressing room and between a squad of players and management, and they're all working together for a common purpose, and um, there is that hunger, that enthusiasm, I still have that. If I hadn't got it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be here. I definitely wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in football if I hadn't got that that love of it and that um, you know appetite for starting again. Because I had to start again in Fermanagh, such. Yeah, and I'm starting that, again yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've managed down teams at all levels over the years and all the rest of it and, and different club teams. And still, uh, I, you know, just to look at my life and take out take football out of it. There would be an awful chasm there, yeah. and you would say, "Now, how would you fill that? I mean, where would you get that sense of purpose, that sense of fulfilment, uh, that sense of energy, that sense of coming, you know, on nights like this to work with with young players, and uh, they're enthusiastic, and they're keen, and we're keen. So there's something uh, I think very unique about that, uh, that that kind of experience, and uh, and that kind of 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 interaction that goes on, and I enjoy it." And I'm enthused by it, and it's a challenge. And I think everyone needs a challenge in their lives, and um, to stretch us and to get the best out of ourselves. And if football is how you do that, then that's that's fine. All the people may find it through work or through athletics or through whatever. Um, but for me, it's always been football, and maybe I'm just a football man. And, that's why I'm still at it. I think we're all football, man. I think that's why we're all here and we're yeah. listening, especially on a cold night in Darwin and you're training. This is this is the unseen. Like this, you have the summer days and you have the, the good league days, but this is the unseen stuff. Like, do you model your team on '91? I suppose actually a lot of loud people, including myself, love that down '91 team. Mm-hmm. Not only because you beat Mead, mm-hmm. he's right beside us, and yeah. even even my club, um, Mark Rangers, red and black. Right, the elf will address me up in the Mark Rangers colours mm-hmm. to see us going home mm-hmm. on the bus mm-hmm. with the cup, with the cup, and then after we missed you, like she, she drove by us too fast in the cup. <laughs> she took me up to, uh, he took me up to my granny's, and they be all the mead side of Cullen. So let's just say I didn't talk to my granny, and my granny didn't talk to my father for a couple of weeks after that. But it's it's do you model on that ninety one team? Well, uh, you you can't necessarily model one group of players entirely on another um, but certain core values and certain core principles I, I think uh, you have to, to have them and 
you were to say to me, well, what were the core principles of, of the of the 91 team, for example? Well, I mean, we were very, very lavishly endowed with, with really good forwards, yeah. Blaney, James McCartan, Mickey Linton, Ross Carr, and so on. Um, we were a big team physically. Yeah. Big team physically. Peter Widnell, Blaney, Eamon Deegan. Burns, Deegan, Paddy O'Rourke, Barry Breen, on a goals, you know, big, big physically, uh, athletic, and a very, very committed, focused, single-minded group of players. Because mm. uh, Down hadn't won an Ulster title for 10 years when we won the All-Ireland in 91. And for Down, that was an awful famine mm. at the time. So these guys were very single-minded. They were very ambitious. Um, they knew what they wanted. And they knew that they were good enough to, to actually, you know, go a long way in the championship that year. Uh, but the football that they played was open, expansive, yeah. fast. Now, in an ideal world, yeah, that's what Louth would be playing. Football has changed since then. But, but even, you could say, like, it still holds up. There's many comparisons with even the Dublin team that's winning All-Ireland and the Down team. Yeah. Like, you look at Blaney in the 40s, very similar to the vision of Connolly or Kilkenny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have James McCartan, if he goes off in a solo run, like, just like Kevin McMillan. And then, probably the most modern-day king there is nearest to Mickey Lennon is Conor Callaghan. Mm-hmm balance and the way he moves and eye for goal so like the values are still there I know there's a lot of talk about defensive football yes 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 there's no doubt Uh, I mean the whole approach to a game there has to be a lot more structured let's say it has to be a lot more pre-planned and you have to take players through game plans and through different uh, sort of structures and game models and all that type of thing Uh, in the nineties, that that wasn't the case. I mean, if you were to me, what what was what were your tactics? I mean, we had a marvelous forward line. It was getting the ball in early uh, to Lyndon, to McCartan, Greg Blaney feeding them. Uh, we had the likes of Ross Carr, Gary Mason, wing half forward, who did come back and do did defend, did yeah, defend yeah, and yeah. tackled and tackled and then left space to put the ball into and all that type of thing. So I mean, the idea of forwards coming back isn't isn't a thoroughly new thing no. because we had people doing it in the nineties and yeah. that's why they were picked in those positions. And even DJ to would work. drive up from Absolutely, well. absolutely, yeah. So uh, those kind of principles uh, of a team that attacks the ball, a team that, that works hard, a team that gets the ball as early as it can into the danger area, quality ball into the danger area and have people in that area if they get the ball who can inflict serious damage in the opposition those are still I think what makes a winning team and Dublin obviously as the supreme example currently of a winning team that's what they do and then when they have to be patient they are patient Um, it's a packed defence but they'll move and they'll probe and then they'll find the killer pass and that takes players of intelligence it takes players with vision and players who've got that ability to, to be composed and not do a thing rashly or not to be rushed into something. And that I think that takes time with the team. You can tell a team this is what you should do. But when they go out and then the match is up and running and the bitter pressure's on, they, they'll sort of just resort to instinct. So you gotta nurture them as I say, you gotta sort of put them through what I call an unlearning process where they're going to unlearn bad habits. Yes. Um and then teach them the way it should be done. But that does take patience on Is them. that hard to Unlearn. It is to unlearn is more more difficult than to learn something. You can teach a fellow a new skill, and if he's willing and if he's capable, he'll 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 take it on board and he'll practice it and he'll he'll eventually uh, be able to perform it. 
but if there uh, if there's a player or players who are, have been doing things that have been wrong because they did them right from when they were under 10 12 up into minor maybe someone who who when he gets the ball for example immediately toe taps mm. instead of looking up or someone who when he gets the ball thinks he has to shoot uh or whatever so it's and these are aren't skills or lack of skills these are decision making things and unlearning mm. those getting those out of someone's system can be a lot more difficult and a lot more frustrating than actually teaching them something new mm. and i think a big problem is as well is going to be the supporters they have a they have a nearly a process of unlearning you know they're still like it's not just loud it's all over it's like let the ball in let it in. like even me they're suffering from that sort of old mindset they can't seem to supporters can get frustrated and they can become very uh, verbal then they can become very vociferous uh, get it into you know all that type of thing and what he is doing and what you know so it's important that management and players and as far as we can we don't go into that uh, at all I mean we just focus on how we're going to play and it requires patience and playing laterally or even playing backwards until the gap appears, then you do that. You do that. Possession is, as I say, nine tenths of the law. It's nearly mm. ten tenths of the law. The way the game's played at the moment. Sure, you know? I so, was going. I was going to ask what's the traits of Pete McCarthy management. I think I have it already. So, what what are your what's your ambitions for the Oberon Cup? What do you hope to get out of it? Do you want a blood players? Do you want to win it? Do you want to use it for fitness, or do you want to implement a system? Well, ask any manager this time of year. Uh, what they want from the pre-season competitions, the Burn Cup and the Kenneth Cup, call it, you know, these different competitions. Mm. Uh, and ask then a manager who's coming into the job, like me, for his first year, right? And it would be to see the players playing against external opposition, right? It will be to get, to give me a closer and a more accurate um, opportunity to appraise who can do what, who looks the part, where are the deficiencies that definitely need to be, be to be eliminated, where are the strengths that we need to really promote and, and uh, build on and consolidate. And as well as that, yeah, um, particularly in terms of what shape the team's going to take defensively, what what is our structure going to be, what's going to be the way we go forward, our preferred so those different things you would like to think in the two or maybe three or four Oburn Cup matches that we get, whatever it is, you would like to think at the end of that, you would I would be in a better position to say, yeah, I now have a fair idea of what, what this team does look like. I, I now have a fair idea of what players can do. I now have got maybe a more clear picture of what our strongest 19-20-21 would be and what you know who's capable of doing what so those are the things yeah. that you hope to glean from from the Auburn Cup um, and then you I mean going forward into the National League you would like to think at the end of January uh, for that first National League match against Down that we'll be in a good place in terms of yeah you know we're, we're, we're with confidence this is this is something approaching I'm not saying our best lineup because you get to the month of March or April and you're still tweaking and yeah, finding yeah. out things and improving all the time but you would like to be in, in a situation where you're confident that the team we're picking here and the way we're playing isn't a million miles away okay, so we'll all find out 
Saturday week as well. Pete, unfortunately, we've run out of time. You have to go and train the lads. Um, it's not often someone's reputation upholds, and very rarely they exceed the, your reputation. Absolute gentleman. Thanks very much for your time. Best of luck. Hope we'll have you on again. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> What will you miss, Adrian? I'll miss the, I'll miss the crack, I'll miss the laugh with the lads, you know, I've made great friends through this. Oh yeah, after making there, and for the first time, going going into towns, going into Ardy, to Drogheda, um, I started seeing kids wearing loud jerseys. It was, it was unreal. It in that way, it was always just about being the best, the best you can be for, for the county. Again, if it doesn't mean enough to people, now it proved that you're wrong. player in the same position, do the same thing. He's playing with fractured wrist without even realising it. Danny, like, as I mentioned, I've, I've been known as David's brother, I'm joking. I remember Fitz having a go with us, but he's pleased, like, he says, don't let yourselves down and, you know, go out in the second half and just let the shackles off, kind of thing. Probably closest we've we have come to, to replicating the, the, the success from 2010. Uh, in the is the manager. We had a meeting, an individual player, you know, called in and he kind of outlined the, the plan for the year with Pat Mulligan, Steve Reed, and all the rest of it. He had said that, you know, this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to do five times a week, sitting in the room. Just to, to have a backlash here, so I agreed. And I said, yes, absolutely, I'll, I'll be doing that. And I walked, out the, I walked out the door and I wasn't driving at the time. My, da- my dad was in the car. Thinking, oh, how am I going to train five days a week? This is, this is ludicrous. Um, this, is, this is just this is ridiculous. Like, it's, it's never going to work. And, you know, before you know it, then you can get into that routine. You play something with a tune? All right, yeah. No, I don't think you want to hear that. That was a look back at episode one of the We Are Loud podcast with a former Loud captain, recently retired Adrian Reid. If you liked this podcast with Pete, you you should dig dig it out and go back and, and listen to that one. It's quite a good one as well. And just to confirm, Pete was not vigorously when I was comparing the Down ninety one team and this year's All Ireland champions Dublin, especially when I uh, compared Conor Callaghan to Mickey Linden. Uh, but I think you could get a feel from it. Pete's a really good football man, really good man in general. I think the the, the timing is right. It's it's uh, he's a he's a man with ferocious GA like knowledge, and what he has now is a really impressionable young group of players that will take his guidance and will seek his guidance, especially in Division Two. It's going to be tough, but they'll have they'll have a, a serious. Um, well of knowledge and peace and plus you throw in the fact that he's a four years experience in a smaller county like Loud and Fermanagh low expectations I think the timing is really is really good um, expect, expectations uh, for myself I think I think very exciting um, Pete could be the man to lead us to Solidarity in Division 2, if not more, and maybe a bit of a run in the Championship. Um, 
but we'll see. Uh, right now, it's holy moly time. Holy moly! Managerial merry-go-round of mayhem. Yeah, Holy moly! Managerial merry-go-round of mayhem. Yeah, Managerial merry-go-round of mayhem. Holy moly! Managerial merry-go-round update, and um, it looks to be more or less probably possibly the last update because a lot of teams have got their houses in order there's uh there's six or seven teams in this update and there's not that many more looking at my list here in front of me i think the rallies is still a question mark i'm not too sure about whether mickey conlon's going back paddy bates has definitely left o'connell so they're still looking for someone and um, more or less everyone else is sorted the Malachies are the only team maybe that isn't sorted and that um and the cahollan gales um, so, first of all, I, I want to go back and the, the last update. I um, the new RD manager is um, Sean Barry. I said um, the manager was Martin Barry, so I was half right. Um, not he, Sean Barry's not the brother of Eamon Barry, um, but Martin Barry actually does manage teams as well. Sean Barry is, is quite the acquisition for the Marys, and um, he's worked with a lot of teams around Mead. Um, he's worked close hand with Sean Kelly, the Leinster tutor and former Mead coach. Um, so that's a really that's a really good acquisition for them. They'll be astute and they'll look to get out of the group this year, um, pushing on with all the good young talent coming through. Speaking of young talent, um, the David Kerwin and Andrew Collier, joint managers from the Feckins, have taken over Dowdles Hill and they, they worked with... Uh, they work with the home club the past two seasons as junior managers, got them to the junior 2A final against the Marys and were very unlucky in that, pushed them all the way, only for the Marys had a lot of young minors, uh, talented lads flying form, they came in and won that final and sealed it. Um, so it's very interesting, they're, they're taking their, their management seriously, they're, go, they're going to make a cut at it and they're no better place to start in Dowdles Hill in junior, they'll find their footing. And they they make a good go of it. Um, staying in junior, um, a bit similar to the two lads. Mark Murray, he he has done an awful lot of work with Kieran Quinn uh, as selector with three big clubs the past couple of years, um, in the Geraldines, RD, and the Blues. So we look to take all that knowledge he's banked and bring it back to his home club and uh, make a cut of it, because. Juniors are very interesting grade. You get into the quarterfinals, just like the past two seasons. You never know you get in a run, and you can you can win it like the Kevin's or Tully Allen this year. The young Irelanders and uh, Kieran Quinn is not going back, as uh, according to reports, and they may or may not have someone in place. And um, when to do or if to do, as you know, the update will be here. Um, a lot, of, a lot of teams have their. Have their houses in order, it has to be said. There's only a couple here on my list that there's a few question marks still over. Mickey Connell, I don't know whether he's still with the Rattleys or not. The O'Connells are definitely still looking for someone to have uh, finalised anyone. The Malachies as well. Uh, but other than that, a lot of a lot of teams have got the house in order quite early. Jim Mattis uh, remains at Hunterstown, that's confirmed. And then last but not least, it's... I suppose uh, it's, a, it's a tug of war between a trainer at this stage, um, between the Pats Club and the Moctis. 
both both um, clubs have selected their team manager in uh, the Pats have gone back to Jerry Komsky, former lead selector, won a couple of senior senior championships with them already um, in the early noughties and what have you. And Seamus McGahan has taken over the Moctis. But it was like there's a tug of war between uh, Fergal Real as trainer with, with both clubs. I think he he was going to go with uh, the Moctis and then until Komsky got the job with uh, the Pats and he's been knocking on uh, Real, Fergal Real's door. So now I don't know. I don't know where Fergal is going, and I don't think uh, either club knows either. So until um, until that's confirmed, I'll just put it out there. But um, you'll you'll find out in the next uh, We Are Loud podcast. That concludes an epic podcast for myself personally. Um, might squeeze in another pod just before Christmas or just before the end of the year. Um, so thanks very much for listening. You can find out that podcast um, on at We Are Loud on Twitter, We Are Loud Facebook page, and uh, We Are Loud on SoundCloud. Thanks very much for listening. Really enjoyed that chat soon. And from everyone here, We Are Loud. Happy Christmas and a, a very prosperous New Year. <laughs>